Welcome. You've joined The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. All right, we're back with part two of The Truth About Marriage. You know we are Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We hope you've really enjoyed part one. If you haven't listened to it, please go back in our um, episode three and listen to it. Roger Nygaard is an absolute treat to listen to, telling us all about his movie, The Truth About Marriage, and really the ins and outs about marriage and what makes it work, what doesn't make it work. And now um, we're going to get into Great Sex Matters. But first, let's talk about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. And if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex and you need one of our top waterproof blankets, it's 100% waterproof and leak-proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave the house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's super special show. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we have a mega guest on the line from California. Comedic writer and award-winning documentarian, Roger Nygaard is known for some of his films like Trekkies and Suckers, and also for some of his great work that he's done on shows like The Bernie Mac Show, The Office, Veep, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and now his new film, The Truth About Marriage. Alrighty, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And we've been having a great discussion with Roger Nygaard, who's a producer and director and editor, and he's just made a brand new film called The Truth About Marriage, which we've been having a great time discussing for the last hour. And now we're getting into our favorite segment where we know uh, Great Sex Matters, where we love getting down and dirty with our guests and talk about great sex. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about right now. Let's start this discussion with the equality in the bedroom. Who is the boss, or is it an equality? You call it the power of the pussy, hun. Uh Uh-huh. That's cool, too. What do you think, Roger? Let's talk about equality in the bedroom. (laughs) Who's the boss? I love that question, and I ask that question in the documentary of everybody. Who's the boss in most relationships, the man or the woman? And it was surprising, yet maybe not shocking, that everybody said that the woman, my wife, my girlfriend, everyone agrees that the woman is the boss in a relationship. Or there were very, very few dissenters anyway. And I think those dissenters were uh, blocking (laughs) (laughs) reality reality that they they believe to be the case. Exactly. (laughs) So that that's the next question that raises is why? Why is that? That's that's wild. Right. I I thought it was a man's world. I guess not. And Dr. Pat Allen puts it this way. Yes, it's a man's world, but it's a woman's universe. Oh, I like that. And uh, my friend Steve Fromstein said that the the man is the boss until the woman gets really mad. <laughs> and then, and so ultimately, uh, Pat Allen says there's one person who has veto rights, and that's the woman. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what she says goes, but it's uh, still a negotiation. But the final say is her say. I think so. That seems to be the case. Now, how does that translate to the bedroom? 
Well, oftentimes then it flips, right? It depends who wants to be uh, penetrated and the penetrator. Who wants to be submissive? Who wants to be dominant? Do they want to take turns? People find that um, even if they're submissive, they still want to say, hey, I want you to be dominant, right? And so now that's the rule. Let's go. And then you you assume your roles because this is the role. This is the way I like my uh, food prepared. This is the way I like my bread buttered. And so the person giving the orders or the commands in the bedroom, if there is one, may not necessarily be the boss, but they may be following instructions. And it's really, you have to remember, it's a mute, there's a mutual goal here that Mother Nature has created. You know, we wouldn't be here if our grandparents and great-grandparents weren't really horny. And so we are the beneficiaries of that. And horniness, horniness is about reproduction, procreation. It's such a strong urge to have sex because the species requires it in, for reproduction. It's crucial. Denying that doesn't eliminate it. And so what do you do? Well, we may as well enjoy it, right? Have Make the most of it. I followed up my question in the documentary about is sex important to marriage because everybody agreed it was. It was kind of a rhetorical question. I asked people, what's the normal number of times to have sex per week? And the married couples generally all said once or twice per week was normal. Then I would ask them, well, what's the normal number of times to have sex per week when you were just first dating? And they all said, oh, once or twice or three or four times per day. Right. So clearly the number drops. It's designed to drop. And there's a reason it's designed to drop. It's because Mother Nature, again, over time wants us to switch from this intense, passionate feeling where passion then transitions to compassion for raising children. If you have children, you don't have time to be having sex five times a day anymore. You've got uh, other priorities, and it would be getting in the way if you had the same level of passion. But that doesn't mean now that you can't recapture those original levels of passion after time goes by. There are ways to do it. And part of the problem is that um, there's something called habituation, which the good side of habituation is that we have stability. I want to have a partner, that, a stable environment. I want my partner to, to be the same and stable. But hab- habituation is boring, you, or you could say familiarity breeds contempt. And habituation and passion are opposites. So to recapture passion in the bedroom, you have to find a way to uh, rekindle that passion formula. In the documentary, Chris Ryan talks about this passion formula, that passion is an object of desire plus an obstacle. And if you don't have that obstacle, the passion goes away. Passion is is designed to bring two people together. And once they're together, habituation sets in. Passion subsides. It's like once you've eaten, you're not hungry anymore. So what do you do about it? Right. I mean, uh, clearly you guys must have people talking about the loss of passion and how to how to find it again. 
Yeah, it's all about rekindling that passion and everybody wants the answer to that because like you said, that habituation sets in and now we're bored and we end up with that stale marriage, which very often can lead you astray looking outside your marriage and or just wanting to end your marriage and finding another way to get that passion back. And I really enjoyed listening to some of the advice that they gave about how to rekindle that passion. Go ahead and explain, Roger. Well, yeah, they have very specific suggestions. Um, there are researchers that study this exact question. And here's, I mean, I'll tell you the answers that they gave me in for couples that have gotten to a point where they there's not enough sex in their lives. And the first thing is to stop spending so much time together. It seems obvious, but what does that mean? You're trying to put obstacles back in your path the way you used to when you were first courting. You know, you want to, this path you're on has gotten too worn and predictable. And so what does that mean? Take separate vacations, separate bedrooms, separate interests. Just find ways to separate yourselves occasionally. And this is, doesn't mean that you're spending long a long time apart. It's, it doesn't take much. If you look at one thing I learned from the Jewish rabbi, from the rabbi I interviewed, he said that Orthodox Jews have a mandatory two-week uh time that they take off during during the week of a woman's period and the week after. And so that forces them to get hungry again, <laughs> naturally. So that's the first thing to do. The second is to keep the surprises coming. I mean, how do you get out of the rut in, and avoid making new ruts? Well, you change things up, change your look, develop yourself, learn a new skill or a hobby, have a regular date night or make it a requirement that you do something different each time, like finding a new cuisine or go a place you've never gone before. Maybe have an adventure. Maybe make spontaneous dates. Have sex someplace new, like a hotel, a tent, a car, or a different country. Maybe uh, plan a surprise weekend uh, at a new place. You know, because a new location, a mutually fresh location, changes your perceptions of each other as well. Arrange a babysitter and book a spa day together. Have sex from a different position or with a new toy, or with a different approach, or a new person, if that's part of your relationship. Sometimes, here's a big one. If you, if, you, if, you, if you just pick up one, pick up this one. Add a mandatory 15 minutes of foreplay sometimes. Teasing, touching, hot glances. Set a clock if you have to, and, and see, if that, see what that does. It, maybe it mixes things up a little bit. Here's a good one, role play. Meet at a bar, pretending that you've never met before, and play it out. Watch your partner flirting with other people. Get jealous, and then meet for the first time again and reconnect, you know, and, and pick up pick up your partner and bring them home. And, and that's a way to satisfy cravings that you may have without uh, violating whatever boundaries you've already set for the relationship. That's, that's, so, that's so well put. Second thing. That's so well put, and we talk about um, all-day foreplay. You talk about 15 minutes of foreplay. We talk about, you know, you start in the morning and you start teasing each other so it builds up throughout the day because the goal of great sex is not the orgasm. It's the arousal and titillation and everything through the whole journey. And one of the things that we always suggest to people, and we see it all the time, we travel a week a month where we used to, and hopefully we'll get back to it, and we've been to uh, lifestyle or swinger clubs. We've been on big cruises where there's 4,000 naked people, and one of the things we love seeing are people at these events 
on these cruises at these resorts who aren't swingers. They are just couples who want to add some spice and some erotic adventure to their relationships. I mean, when we go on our swinger cruises, the Bliss Cruise, and there's 4,000 people, and the playroom has 600 people in there all fucking together, there are half of those people who are just there as, as their own couple in this environment where they're having sex with live porn going on all around them and they're not touching and they're not playing and they're not doing anything but it's one of those experiences and most cities in North America have sex clubs or lifestyle clubs or swinger clubs that you can go to where you can have this great erotic experience and do something very different that will spice up your sex life that you don't need to swing. Right. You don't need to share your partner or touch anybody else. Yeah. I mean, you just got to mix it up. So uh, I'll give you a couple more suggestions that I learned from the researchers. Another is if you want to increase the passion between yourself and your partner, what you should do is pursue together a new interest, something that includes physical activity that you both want to do that you've never done before. Ballroom dancing, take up golf, skiing, uh, hiking, whatever. Pick, you pick something. There was a researcher named Arthur Aaron who had couples bounce around on these kids' little bouncy balls together. And then they would ask them how they felt afterwards, and they found that their passion for each other increased just from this silly activity because what happens is when you go do something exciting and fun together, like maybe take a roller coaster ride or go to a comedy club, when you're feeling good in that physical activity, you transfer that good feeling to your partner, and you associate it with your partner. And that increases your passion for each other. So it has to be a new and novel activity with some physicality that you both want to do. Doing that once a week is a way to to rekindle your passion for each other. Another one is polarity, right? We talked about this a little bit, the difference in polarity. If you want to increase your polarity, let me put it this way. Like the longer a couple is together, the more alike they are, right? The less their polarity Uh, the more the polarity diminishes. I learned about this by going to a passion seminar. I wanted to see what happened. So I went to a class where a a couple that are passion experts teach other couples how to get sexy with their partner again. And I had no idea what was going to happen. I I thought, am I going to see group sex? Am I going to see wild orgies? Am I going to see some kind of weird thing? And what happened was they separated the men and the women into two groups and they retaught them how to become more masculine or more feminine, depending which pole was their natural pole in the, in the partnership. And it, it took two hours, less than two hours later, they were ready to tear each other's clothes off again. I couldn't believe how fast it happened because it's, it's there within us. The part of the problem is that the work environment, we all go to work, and the work environment is a masculine environment. Everyone is behaving in a masculine way. So the feminine partner has to learn how to shift back to the feminine when you get home together so that your polarity is uh, rekindled again. The more that you spend time with a person, the more you mirror each other, and the more you have to realize that and remagnify the polarity. David Data is probably most famous for preaching this, rekindling the masculine-feminine polarity. And it's not about gender. It's about which are you? I mean, a man, the man could be the more feminine of the two or vice versa. 
typically the man is the more masculine on average. This is something we're all obviously aware of, but it's not always the case. Sometimes I have feminine needs and sometimes I have masculine needs. But when I'm with someone, whatever my needs are, which happen to be more masculine, my partner needs to be more feminine for maximum passion, maximum spark. And can we sometimes switch it up? You should absolutely, because no one's 100% masculine or 100% feminine. We all have a mixture. And it changes over your lifetime. Over a lifetime, a man becomes more feminine the older he gets, and a woman becomes more masculine the older she gets. There's a there's kind of a switch that happens, and I'm t- talking like, you know, 60s, 70s. That's when it becomes more apparent. You'll notice that men mellow out mm-hmm. in their 70s, mm-hmm. and women get more, Correct. I'm going to start a new business. <laughs> I think that's probably because at that point in our lives, we actually give ourselves permission to change and that because we don't give a fuck anymore what anyone else thinks. (laughs) That's going on and hormones are changing over time. And so it's part of rekindling passion rekindles your hormonal balance and it, it stimulates your body to release more hormones that make you feel sexy and more passionate again. Very. So, yes, you want to mix it up. That's part of it. You want to some separation occasionally. You want to be physical. You want to mix things up, keep the surprises coming, and rekindle your polarity. Amazing. So, before we actually get into your relationships and sex life and, and all that good stuff, we've had a couple of experts on our show who talk about a sexless marriage. And Dr. Megan Fleming talks about it. We just had her on a couple of weeks ago. What did you learn about how couples look at their marriage and think, oh, I'm having a good marriage because I have sex this many times a year versus other couples who have sex once a year? Well, yeah, well, the definition of a problem, this was one of the experts in my documentary says, she says the definition of a problem is if one person has a problem with the frequency of the, number, the amount of sex, then that's a problem with the relationship. And how often is every, are both people going to agree all the time? No, you know, we're always having different needs. And there's, we both go through cycles. I mean, the woman's cycle is more pronounced, but men have cycles also. You're feeling more horny and less horny. You can have, there are apps you can put on your phone now to track your cycle. And if you know, well, I'm about to ovulate. That No wonder I'm feeling so horny, I'll fuck anything. Or I'm in the period when I don't even want to be touched. You, and so you observe that and recognize it. Don't don't fight it. Go with it. And you can also use this app because there's another study they did, this fascinating study where they had exotic dancers at a strip club keep track of their tips over a month, and they put it, uh, they compared it to their uh, uh, cycle, so they could see how the tipping compared to when they were ovulating or in their period and found that the tips were at their highest on the day before the day of ovulation and the lowest when their woman was uh, having her period. Wow. Somehow men knew that, sensed it, recognized it without realizing it. Subliminally, subliminally they're throwing more money at her when she's more fertile hmm. because it's pheromones, it's chemicals, she's feeling more sexy, she's acting more sexy, and the men are responding to these cues. Absolutely. That that just makes sense. And especially when we're looking at it scientifically, which you had a, a great, I, I really like the balance that you had from science versus people's opinions. You got all Actual sorts of life. different aspects yeah. of this whole marriage situation. So I think it's time to get into some a little bit of personal side of Roger. Tell us a little bit what your sex life was like when you're in relationships before you made your documentary. 
Well, I, I guess I would have, uh, if I was going to put a demarcation in my life, my sex life, there is before communication and after communication, mm-hmm. well BC put. and AC. <laughs> <laughs> Very well put. Early on, um, I didn't communicate, and something happened at one point where I started talking, talking dirty, talking during sex, and it made my partner change, too. And I started, I don't even know where it came from. It just started started coming out of me. Um, and it encouraged her to also start talking and telling me, like, communicating what she liked or didn't like. And by communicating, I found if my partner was receptive to it, then it was a, it lasted a lot longer than if she wasn't. If some people are just too closed, it's hard. You can't. It's hard to break through that shell, that repression, whatever's going on. Some people are more open. And I met someone recently that um, was surprised how open she was. She wasn't. Uh, there was no shame. There was no judgment. There was like wow. And and that it it encouraged me to unflowered, unfold, to be whatever I am. So. That to me is the the greatest change I think in my sex life is when I started talking about what it is that I liked, <laughs> no matter how weird, strange, unusual that I might think it was, or I'm afraid they'll think it is, because there's nothing unusual if it's who you are, right? You are who you are. We as a society have lines of what's legal or illegal, and so that's uh, something that we we observe, right? And you know. The age of 18, you know, that's a line we've drawn. Uh, non-consensual sex, that's a line we've drawn. And so I'm not saying that anyone or I are pushing beyond those boundaries. I'm saying I'm just communicating, this is what I like, and someone is receptive to it. That makes sex so much better than being afraid to say something because my culture, my society has told me that it's better to repress my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the our final piece of advice that you're going to give everybody out there, I'd like to ask you, after this whole documentary and talking to people and going through different relationships, right now in your life, you, we're both, all three of us are about the same age, how important is having great sex to you? It, I mean, it's the, it's everything, right? It's, it's, it's the source of all my creativity. It's my inspiration. It's why I do everything. It's why I'm alive. It's why I'm here. It's a, a such a powerful primal drive. It can't be ignored or suppressed, and it fuels all everything I do. Spending seven years making a film about relationships. I mean, how do you stay focused for seven years on something? Because I'm obsessed with sex and relationships and people and that's how strong uh, of an urge it is for me. Amazing, amazing. I mean, if you go back and listen to, um, I don't know how many of our 250 shows we've said it, and Carol says it best, and it's that relationships and great relationships begin and end in the bedroom. Yeah, without sex, you're just roommates. I'm quoting uh, Bill Doherty, one of the psychologists that I interviewed. If you don't have sex, then you're just partners, your relationship, you're, you know, your roommates, you're not, uh, I mean, sex is what binds people together. It's what forms a, a stronger union. It's what brings you closer. It's what 
you can use the word spiritual. It, it connects you to the spiritual. It has all these, it affects all these parts of our brain that if you don't have it, if you don't have those chemical releases and you don't exercise that part of your brain, it's going to atrophy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This has been amazing. And we've really, really, really enjoyed watching your film and talking to you about it. And we've come to the end of our show now. And I'd like to ask you a final question. Now, we know that the quest of your document, basically, your documentary, basically was to find out um, why people get married, even if the success rate is about 50% today. So without giving away the answer, you know, which we're going to find out at the end of your film, I'd love for you to sum up what you learned personally about marriage and about relationships while you were making this documentary. Well, there are definitely upsides to being married. And the downsides are pretty obvious, right? (laughs) Unhappiness and uh, losing your house and splitting up the kids, cutting the baby in half, whatever, you know. But the upsides are many, like there's teamwork, two is better than one, you've got someone to help run the errands, the division of labor. How many species have a division of labor? Very few. We're one of the very few species that does that and it makes us stronger. There's financial benefits, two can live more cheaply than one, and there's tax savings, legal legal benefits, legal rights, hospital access, you can be in your partner's obituary. You, foreign visas uh, or foreign citizenship is easier to get. There's risk diversification. If you get sick or injured, you've got somebody to help you or to raise the children. Children are your legacy. You get to have children and leave some something behind. Because without, if you don't leave children behind, what are you leaving behind? I mean, how much do you know about your great-great-great-grandparents? Probably nothing. Their lives are meaningless at this point, except that you're here. You are the result of, of their having here. There's increased happiness by being married. They've done plenty of psychologists and a lot of studies and found that married people tend to be happier in general. And one of the biggest predictors of health and personal well-being is being in a relationship. They also found that there's a 500% drop in mortality for married men because their risky behavior drops. Their wives stop them from doing so many stupid things. <laughs> so there's another benefit. You might live longer because someone's putting putting a governor on your engine. Love it. And then you can add to this whole thing love and a spirit the spiritual aspect. There's a that's an option you can add on, the spiritual connection that you can have with somebody. So there's plenty of good reasons to get married, but you have to realize that underneath it all, the marriage contract is really just a legal document that deals with the sharing of property because society created this because society doesn't want to clean up your mess that you're going to leave behind. 50% of people leave a big mess behind, a big financial mess. So there's a a framework set in place for how that mess is going to be dealt with. That's what marriage is legally. The marriage contract says nothing about having to be faithful or loving or a good listener. Those are all optional and assumptions that people add on, but it's not in the law. It's not in that contract. So understand it's a legal document that you're signing with somebody, but on top of it, you've got all of these potential benefits. Beautifully said. Roger, that's an amazing way to end this this super two-part episode that we've done with you. Um, We're going to reserve the right to have you come back on another episode. We'll talk about other things and other fun things that you're doing. Why don't you just take a minute now and tell everyone how they can find your work online, the website, and where they can buy your book and see the film. 
Yeah, well, the truth about marriage.com will give you links or my name, Roger Nygaard, N Y G A R D.com. You can find my book, The Truth About Marriage, and the, the movie, which is also on Amazon, where you can find uh, uh, my other films as well, The Nature of Existence, my film about car salesmen called Suckers, Trekkies, and, and the sequel, Trekkies 2. And I'm about to start work on Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 11, which will air in 2021. And I just finished work on a documentary series on Showtime called The Comedy Store. Wow, that's all amazing stuff. Thank you so much. And if you've missed any of this information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all their information. And you can even contact them if you have a question about their work. We're learning more and more every week from all our expert guests, and we hope you do too. And we just want to take a moment to remind everybody about our new partnership with altplayground.net. That's A-L-T, playground.net. And if you're looking for an online open-minded community to find compatible people in your area, you should join altplayground.net. It's a lifestyle site that's expanding to include lots of amazing lifestyle resources that will connect you with other like-minded folks. And remember to stay sexy and stay healthy and follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face and practice social distancing, and please wear a mask. And of course, continue to listen to our show and visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Well, that's it for our show today, part one and part two. Roger Nygaard, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I've had a great time. And of course, we always want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. That's it for today, everyone. Remember, stay safe and of course, stay sexy. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.